You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. Theologically, when I deal with something, it says that I am taking care of God's business. I understand according to Jesus that it's imperative as a child of God a leader of God, a pastor of God, to be about the Father's business. Based upon the season that we're in, dealing with something has to do with maintaining good works. If I'm going to deal with it in the manner that it needs to be dealt with, I have to maintain good works. I can't just have a good day. I've got to continue having good days. My days need to turn into weeks. My weeks need to turn into months. It's something that I need to be consistent in, especially if I expect God to reward me. Because according to Hebrews 11 and 6, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now, if I'm going to deal with certain things, I have to make sure that I handle them effectively. I have to strive at fulfilling specific results. The reason being, some things are challenging. I said some things are challenging. Some things you can deal with, you're not going to have to worry about uh, those particular things fighting back. But some things challenging (laughs) especially when it comes to something like debt debt is challenging because you can be done paid a month notice a bill and before you know it the bill is right back in your face It seemed like you just paid it last week and here it is again, right back in your face. Saying to you, I'm back. Yeah, you just paid me last month, but I'm back again. You weren't looking for me this quick, were you? <laughs> but that is something. And, and that is something that, that, it, that if you don't watch out, you'll mess around and find debt in front of you. 
And instead of you having the upper hand on debt, debt would be on top of you trying to get a three count. You know what I'm talking about? I have been that. I've been to the point to where I'm, I'm, I'm so far behind in payments to where I'm trying to figure out what I can do in order to catch up. Am I still talking about somebody? I remember them days. I'm glad those days are over, but I remember those days. You understand? And so debt is something that will fight you. Debt is something that you have to deal with properly. And um, debt is just simply owing somebody something. Now, debt can be good. I like to tell people when some of the debt that I was in, it was good debt. And you may ask, what, what is good debt? Good debt is when you reach the conclusion that you're, that you're going to have to borrow something in order to accomplish a particular purpose. But in borrowing that particular thing, whether it's money or something else, you also have the understanding that you are obligating yourself and that you have to make sure that you repay the person that has loaned you a particular thing. Again, whether it's money or something else. So, First thing you have to understand or uh, uh, ask yourself, the debt that I have, is it good debt or bad debt? Because all debt ain't bad. I was glad to get in debt because I needed a car. Glad to get in debt because I needed a house. And so I was appreciative even, even though the payments started coming in a way that at one time overwhelmed me. I was still blessed to be able to, to get debt. How many agree with me so far? It was a blessing. Contextually, it deals with a steward. A person that was actually managing something for another person. And what happens in reference to the steward is that somebody accused him of wasting or misusing goods. And it got back to the steward's balls. Uh, the text calls him his master. But I'm going to be interchanging balls and master. It got back to his, his balls. And when his balls heard about it, the balls went to the steward and told the steward, I need you to give an account. I need you to be responsible and bring back to me a statement 
showing me what you have received, what you have expended, and the balance. I need you to come back and show me all of this. Now understand, the text is clear in the beginning as well as the conclusion that the steward was an unjust person. Now we know an unjust person is point blank a sinner. A sinner, according to James, is somebody that practices sin. Now from a Christian standpoint, when we think about an unjust person, we consider that person someone that does not come to church regularly. Because the just have to live by faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We also consider a just per, uh, an unjust person somebody that does not walk or live according to the word of God. But live by sight. Because the, the scripture is clear. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. For the just walk by faith, not by sight. So we're talking about an unjust person. We're talking about a person that does not watch what he or she uh, says out of his or her mouth. May talk this one day and talk something else another day. We're talking about a person that more than likely is double-minded. Now I'm throwing all of this at you, but, but uh, the reason I'm doing so is because I want you to remember what a sinner is. Because some of y'all may be too saved to look back and remember what it was to be in sin. But let me just check anyway. How many remember that as a sinner you lied? Let me see them hands one more time. You lied. You cheated. If you could get over, you would get over. The master wanted a sinner who was managing his business to give an account in reference to his stewardship. And get this, the master had told him basically that if you don't give me something that's satisfactory or that I agree with, I'm going to fire you. I am going to fire you. So don't try to just bring me back anything. And of course, I'm paraphrasing now. But don't try to bring me back just anything. I want you to make sure that you bring back something that, that will answer questions that I have put before you. I want you to bring back something that's going to show me that you've been taking care of my business. And again, if you do not, I'm going to fire you. Now, if, if you'll notice contextually, the steward didn't have what his master wanted. Didn't have what his boss wanted. Now, notice the implication. Consider this. Verse, verse 3. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I what? It's obvious that he didn't have his act together. If he would have had his act together, he, 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 we would have seen something different. 
steward said, look, I got the book right here. Here it is. That was not that. He said within himself, what shall I do? He's in a messed up situation. And his question is, what shall I do? Now, it's important to understand when, when, when you are dealing with debt, you don't need to panic. Because there's something that can be done. How many know there's always a way of escape for a child of God? I don't care what you go through. There is always a way out. Even when God allows temptation to come, Paul was clear in 1 Corinthians by telling us that, that no temptation has come that is not common to man. But with the test, with the trouble, with the problem, the Lord will also make, get this, a way of escape so you can bear it. The, the key when you're dealing with a problem, when you're dealing with debt, is having the understanding that there is something that I can do. And as a Christian, God has promised that there is going to be a way of escape. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 tells us that all of the promises of God in him are yes and amen. The Hebrew writer revealed to us that it's impossible for God to lie. But how many, you don't even have to read, read that particular verse to know that God does not lie. Because God has been faithful to you. Am I talking about you? Say to your neighbor, God is faithful. Because he has been faithful to me. And the thing about God, God does not change. Malachi 3 and 6 says he changes not. Hebrews 13 and 8 decrees our Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even his word does not change. Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, once he sends forth his word, is not going to return unto him void. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24 and 35, heaven and earth shall pass, but not my word. God is going to honor his word. I, I don't care if you're months behind. There is a way of escape. I don't care if they have took something. There is a way of escape. You never throw in the towel. You never give up as a child of God. When you feel like you want to give up, you have to remember what Jesus said in Luke 18 and 1. Time to pray. Men are always to pray, get this, and not to lose heart. What is losing heart? Giving up. Can't give up. I cannot give up. I never forget the first time they came and picked up my car. Y'all heard what I said the first time. Y'all keep in mind, I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking history. I'm talking the past. I'm debt free now. I got six cars. I'm debt free now. But anyway, they came and picked up the car. And they left. And I'll never forget the Lord told me, he said, he said the same ones that took it, going to bring it back. Just that clear. Now, the amazing thing when he said it, guess who didn't have no money? I said, guess who didn't have no money? Guess who didn't know how they were going to get the car back? But guess who spoke? The Lord. If God speaks a thing, will he back it up? I just told you once he sends forth his what? 
it will not return unto him what? Now, am I just talking about the written word? No. I'm talking about the written and the spoken word. How many know God will give you a revelation? Will tell you something is going to happen before it manifests. Has he ever did that to you before? And so God told me the same ones that took it are going to bring it back. Ask me how many days it takes for them to bring it back. One. One day. One day. They took it. They took it. One evening. That night God sent somebody by the house. Because uh, again, I didn't have the money. The next day. I called and told them. Got the money. And guess what? They said, well, we'll bring it to you. Guess who brought it? Same ones that came and picked it up. Now, how did I know that was going to happen? Because that's what God said. Now, in the text, the unjust person did not consult God about his problem. He said, what, what, what do I need to do? What am I going to do? Now, I want you to notice what, what, he, what he says here in the text. What am I going to do? And then he, he starts thinking about it. First thing that crossed his mind is this right here. I don't want to lose my job. My boss getting ready to take away my job. I do not want to lose my job. See, you have to ask yourself, do you really need to hang on to what you have? Do I need to hang on to this? Is this something God wants me to have? He did not want to lose his job. But then notice, he also said, I cannot dig. He's not talking about going out digging a hole or, or making a hole in the ground. He's not talking about that. To dig in the text means that he does not have the money to set things right. He didn't have no money to set things right. See, because the issue was about the books being messed up, but, it, but the books were messed up because the steward seemingly was misusing the goods. So he did not have the means to straighten out the problem. How many have ever been there? You got a problem, but you just don't have the means to straighten the problem out. And sometimes as Christians, we think we can just pray and say, God... Send that good measure, uh, pressed down, shaking together, and running over that you talked about in Luke 6 and 38, and we, we'll be done with this. But I'm going to have learned that it, that it does not work that way. Because that's what? That's the process. See, some things you, you can ask God to do, and, and when God does not do them, he, he will not do them because some things God does in seasons, or he does as a process. There may come a time to where you ask God for a particular thing and, and he does it right then. But, but some things 
God is not going to do because he'll be violating what he said in his word. And he is not going to go against his word. But again, the steward admitted that I, I, don't, have, I don't have the means to take care of the problem. I don't have the means to do it. Now, it's amazing the final thing that the steward said. He said, to beg, I'm ashamed. In the Greek, it speaks about him being unwilling to beg. I can't beg. I am not going to beg the boss. I ain't going to beg nobody else. I am just ashamed to beg. He was to the point to where even though he was unjust, he had principles. He had certain things that he was just not going to do. I ain't going to beg. I, I just ain't going to do this. Now that speaks to us that there should be certain things that, that we say within ourselves that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a problem. I'm in a situation that's difficult, but I'm still going to give God his money. I'm going through hard times, but I ain't going to rob God. I ain't going to talk to God foolishly. I ain't going to do, do anything crazy just because I'm going through this. this. Now, we got in the text a sinner saying I ain't going to beg. Now, saying that, that should tell us if we get to going through something, we, we should not do certain things. You're in debt, but, but that does not mean you need to start pinching off God's money. Well, I'm going to give God the tithe, but I ain't going to show up for Bible study. I can save that little money and just keep it for... No. No. If you're a child of God, that, that should be certain things. You should just make up in your mind that I'm not going to do this right here. I'm saving. I'm just not going to do it. You'll, you'll be amazed at, at, at even pastors that won't come to certain services because they say, well, I, I know he's going to ask for such and such, and I, I don't have it, so I just ain't going to go. Say to your neighbor, whatever you do, don't allow anything to keep you from worshiping God. You may not have all that you desire to have in reference to giving, in reference to, to doing this, that, or the other, but whatever you do, don't allow anything to keep you from worshiping God. If you don't have a dime to give in the offering, so be it. Don't allow anything to keep you from coming to God's house and giving him the glory, the honor, and the praise. And I'm talking to somebody. It's somebody you've been to the point to where you wouldn't even come to church because you didn't have an offering. You wouldn't even show up at the house of God because of money. There's something wrong with that. You have to have certain morals, certain principles that you refuse to violate. You refuse to go against it's just like as a child of God, I believe every child of God that's working should refuse not to give God his money. 
should refuse not should refuse to obey what the enemy tells them to do week in and week out. I think a child of God should refuse to pour mouth. I don't care what you don't have, you, sh you shouldn't pour mouth. You should not pour mouth. If anything, you should speak prosperity despite being in dire straits. You should still speak that God is going to do what my eyes have not seen. He's going to do what my ears have not heard. And so notice again the three things about this man. He didn't want to lose his job. But he was not going or uh, he couldn't dig. He didn't have the means to take care of the problem. And he was just unwilling or ashamed to beg. I just can't do that. And though it was not stated, it was something else he wasn't going to do. He wasn't going to pray. He was not going to pray. He had made up in his mind that if the problem was going to be solved, he was going to solve it. He was going to come up with the solution. Now, while, while, I'm, while I'm talking about this, keep in mind who's telling the story. Jesus. When it comes to verse 4, notice, notice what happens. Look at the word and carefully. I have resolved what to what? I done came up with a solution. I have came up with a solution. I know what I need to do now. Now the word resolve in the Greek has to do with him being firm about what needs to take place. It's actually a Christian principle because the Bible tells us when it comes to laboring in 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, that we ought to be steadfast, immovable, always abiding in what? The work of the Lord, for our labor is not. And so basically the principle here is, is, is Christian. Except this is a sinner saying, I know what to do now. I have reached a firm decision. I know exactly what needs to take place. Say to your neighbor, this is something that a child of God needs to do. Because I'm finna drop something on you that's going to hurt. You ready for it? This going to hurt a little bit. Some of the most unstable folk when it comes to dealing with money problems are Christians. Some of the most unstable folk when it comes to dealing with debt are pastors, elders, deacons, leaders, folk who can prophesy 50 words a minute but can't balance a checkbook. Always telling somebody what does say is God. But known for messing up money. That's all I am. 
Why? Biggest reason? Unstable. Up. Down. Up. Down. I know the Lord blessed me with the car. Well, he blessed you with the car. So how come you won't do right by it every month? You got the money coming in, so just do right by the car every month. Mess up the money then and say, I'm believing God. But, but see, God ain't going to fool with you and you unstable. That's according to James 1. When a person is double-minded or unstable in his way, the Bible says, let that person not think he shall receive anything from the Lord. Pray all you want. It ain't going to happen. You're going to have to go and tell somebody, look, I need some help because God ain't going to deal with it because you were up, down, up, down, up, down. See, if you're going to deal with, with debt, you have to be fixed on what you're going to do. You have, you have to be fixed about, look, this is what I know I need to do to resolve this, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do this right here. If you say, well, I'm, I'm going to have my house paid for in, in 10 years, and the way I'm going to do it every month, I'm going to put 100 extra dollars on the principal. And, and if God has given you that, guess what? You need to stick to that. No matter what comes up, you need to stick to that. And see, that, 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 that's the key. It once you see what's happening, whether you pray and God gives it to you or it's revealed to you some other way, you make sure you stick to whatever God has told you to do. Don't get away from what God has told you to do. Stick to the plan. Good God, I need some help. Just tell two folks, stick to the plan. Stick to what? Stick to what? Stick to what? So notice he said, I, I know. I know what to do now. I know what to do. Now, before I go further, let me just say this. When you look at the text, the Lord did not give us all the details that took place in reference to what the steward did. But he gave us primary things, but specifically he gave us truth that we need to take and use when it comes to our situation. How many are understanding? But, but I want you to notice Basically what the unjust steward came up with, look at the text carefully, is a plan to reduce debt. That's the plan. He came up with a debt reduction plan. That's what he came up with. He didn't have the means just to cancel the debt. He didn't have the means to do that. 
Remember? He said, I cannot dig. I don't have the means to take care of it. But finally, he, he came up with a debt reduction plan. But get this, it would involve others, specific, specifically the people that owed his master. And so notice what, what he did. Again, we, we do not get everything that, that took place, but it's obvious that, that he sat down with the people that owed his master. And look at what happened. In one instance, the debt was reduced from 100 to 50. You see it? In another instance, it was reduced from 100 to 80. He came up with a plan. But in order for his plan to work again, he had to talk to the people that owed his master. And he started putting the plan into action to reduce the debt. Why am I putting emphasis on that? He knew exactly what he needed to do in order to reduce the debt. The question to you, my brother and sisters, what do you need to do in order to reduce your debt? What do you need to do? See, see, you, you can't just say, well, I just need to get another job. And... No. He wasn't looking for another job. Now, his job, his, his present job couldn't cause him to what? To cancel the debt. But he came up with something. And we're talking center. Surely. Holy Ghost feel. Five baptized. You can come up with what you need to do. The Bible says in John 16 and 13 that the Spirit of God will lead us in how much truth? Say to your neighbor, God can give you a way out of your problem. That's the reason Jesus said things like seeking you or what? You got to seek. You got to come up with the resolution. And sometimes God will drop it, but he'll drop it after you seek him. And it can be a simple plan. I'm going to tell you something. And I'm glad I got uh, some of the deacons here tonight. When we were in debt at the church, I'm going to tell you something God, God spoke. He spoke to me. He said, he said, I want you to go in now and tell the deacons that if they will do Three things. I'm not going to go into detail about the particular things that, that I told them at the time. But I went in there and told them. I said, God said, if we do this right here, that in less than seven years, we'll be debt free. You remember that, Dick Holler? I said, we'll be debt free if we'll just do this. Now, at, now at the time, financially, we couldn't see that. Not financially. Am I right? Couldn't see it. But see, I 
had something the unjust steward didn't have. I had a relationship with God. God said, if you do this, you'll be out of debt in less than seven years. That was back in the 90s. It was less than five when it happened. Now, we couldn't see it on paper. You could have you took it to a genius in finances, and they couldn't have seen it on paper. You could have took it to your third cousin removed who run a financial empire, and he couldn't have seen it on paper. But how many know God is sovereign? God can do anything, say what? God, God said, if, if you just tell them to do this, you'll be debt free. And then, right after that, he told me, he said, um, he said, not only is the church going to be debt free, you're going to be debt free. And every, every church that I tell you to put up from hereafter, you're going to go in it debt free. And all of that, all of that happened. All of that has come to pass. But guess what it started with? Debt reduction. It started with debt reduction. It started with, with, with getting a specific plan for debt reduction and putting it into action and then God added his sovereignty, his power, his authority to it, and everything was taken care of. Because, see, if God see you being faithful, God will have somebody come in there and write a check for $100,000. Yeah. God will have somebody come in there and say, look, uh, I hear you want to get this house. I'm just going to pay for this house for you. How much more you owe on your car? $10,000. Well, you're finna be paid off today. But see, that comes with being faithful. That comes with doing the right thing. But now in my clothes, notice, notice what happens. In verse 8, after the unjust steward implemented debt reduction, it gives us first the master's or the boss's response. The boss commended the unjust steward. Made him happy. Satisfied his master. The master was happy with the plan that he, he had came up with. Now, again, we don't get full detail about stuff. But just based upon the story, he didn't lose his job. Am I right? If he done made his balls happy, is the balls going to fire? No. Balls happy with you? He didn't lose his job. Did he have to beg? Oh, no. He didn't have to beg. He didn't want to beg. Didn't have to what? Beg. Now, he didn't have the money to take care of it and didn't have to use his, his money because of a plan. He came up with a plan. His master commended him because he had dealt with the debt problem truly. And then Jesus, like he often does after telling a story, 
said to his disciples that sinners are more shrewd in their dealings than sons of light. Say your neighbor, but it doesn't have to be. I believe smartest folks on the planet should be Christians. Why? Because, because we, we're not just getting information. We're getting divine information. We're not just getting knowledge. We're getting divine knowledge. We're not just getting understanding. We're getting divine understanding. But in my close, I want you to understand what contextually it is to be to be shrewd and how Jesus implied that Christians need to be shrewd you ready for it and, and, you, and you, you have to ask yourself if you are these particular things that I'm going to, I'm going to talk about number one it says that you're smart it says that you're smart now, if you, now, some folks are smart to the point where they can look at something and start talking about it. But some of us, we're not like that. We're going to have to study to be smart. Research to be smart. Hanging around certain folk to be smart. Say to your neighbor, whatever it takes, as long as it's right, you need to make sure you're smart. It's no sense for us to be ignorant as, as God's children. We need to be smart. We, we need to be smart about a, lot, a, a number of things. Not just things in the church, things outside of the church. Am I right? So it means to be, to be smart. Okay? Now, the second thing, you have to be sincere. We don't want to be like the unjust steward. The unjust steward. No matter how much he made, sooner or later it was going to have to be turned over. Because the wealth of the unjust is laid up for who? We want to be sincere. Especially when it comes with God. We want to be sincere when we, when we start asking God to help us get out of debt. When it comes to asking God to help us do A, B, and C. We want to make sure that we are sincere with God. The Lord, the Lord told me, Walker, in order for you to come from, from the hole you're in, son, you're going to have to discipline yourself. Walker, in order for me to make you the head and, and, and for you to quit being the tail, you're going to have to put your flesh under subjection. Walker, in order for me to bring you from the bottom to the top, you're going to have to start talking right, thinking right, and doing right. You have to transform yourself in order to come out of certain things. Even, even to know the will of God in the manner that you need to as a Christian, you have to be transformed. Romans 12 and 2, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Who was he talking to in Romans 12? The brethren, the church. The ecclesia, the call out one, sanctified folk, tongue-talking folk. 
dancing, turning in victory. Folk. He was talking to us. We have to make sure that we are sincere with God. But then we have to be sound. We have to be sound. Yeah. We have to, we have to be sound to the point to where we recognize that we're going to go through trouble. We're going to experience difficulties. But we're not going to allow those particular things to move us. And based upon the text, the number one thing we have to be is subtle. We have to be clever. We have to be clever. We, we, we have to be to the point to where we don't allow a saint or a sinner, listen closely, to get over on us. Or to dictate to us what we what we can or can't do. You, you got to get over that. You, you, you got to be clever to the point to where you know what to receive and what to reject. When we first started talking about building the church, we, we had uh, the vice president of the bank tell us, y'all can't build that type church. Come back in 10 years, you might be able to, to build it. We didn't receive that mess. How many know you have to, you have to know what to receive and what to reject? You, you, can't, you can't receive everything. How many know you're more than a conqueror? Well, if you're more than a conqueror, you have to talk like it. You have to act like it. You have to be clever, subtle in your dealings. You have to let folks know you ain't no pushover. You have to let folks know you ain't stupid. You have to let folks know, yeah, I'm Christian, but I'm not one of them Christians that, that you're thinking about where you just can say anything and I'm going to bow my knees and say uncle to you. I told a man one time, he, he was telling me, look, this car is such, such. I said, man, you got to be crazy if you're thinking I'm going to give you that. I thought you were saved, Reverend. I said, I am, but I ain't no fool. Because, see, people will expect you to act a certain way. Get this. Because you call yourself a Christian. And some folks will expect you to act a certain way because of the color of your skin. You got to make sure you let folks know you understand God's word. You, you understand not only the word of God, but the laws of the land. You understand who you are in God as well as who you are in this country. You don't, let, you don't allow folks to push you over or to just do anything to you. I had, I had uh, an inspector tell me, he said, look, you're going to have to do such and such at your house. You know what I asked him? I said, why in the world I got to do it, but the street over, it's been like that with them for, for years and they ain't doing nothing. And he just looked at me like, Lord, I didn't know he was going to say that. He changed his whole words when I said that. Wow, you 
have to know how to deal with people. You got to deal with people. It's a scripture in the book of Psalms that talks about God's dealings. It talks about how when it comes to God dealing with the pure, that he is pure. But it talks about when he deals with the devious. Get this, that he is shrewd. He is clever when it comes to dealing with devious folk. And see, you have to recognize who you're, who you're talking to and deal with that particular person accordingly. How many understand? Let me see the hands one more time. Well, I'm going to stop right there. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.